told Jesus you loved him this morning. It's okay. You're getting ready to tell him now. I try to tell my family every day. I tell my daughters. I tell my, my wife, baby, I love you. Honey, I love you. And uh, we try to do that every day. If you don't do that, I encourage you to tell your family members that you love them. Tell them every day. You never know when there's going to be that last day. That's right. But if we feel so strongly about telling our loved ones how much we love them every day, how much more should we tell Jesus that we love him every day? We'll sing a couple of verses here. My Jesus, I love My Jesus, I love thee, I that good singing. I think they're going to sing us another song or two this morning. I want to ask you if you would to remember a couple folks in prayer. Do pray for Sister Barbara Weaver's sister still and you ask the Lord to touch there. Uh, she's supposed to have a scan this week. I'm not uh, sure what the results of that was. Um, Allie also had a, uh, a CT scan uh, of her sinuses so you pray that maybe they can find out what her problem is, maybe get that addressed. And then Brother John Smith, he did get to come home Friday. Is that right? Friday. And so you remember Brother John, he's told me this morning, he just still doesn't feel well enough to come. Uh, Sister Jean also is supposed to be going uh, for surgery this coming Thursday. 
and so she's she's still having to be very careful with that hip so you remember both of them and uh, then also Kaylee uh, last week uh, all we knew that she had a fracture in her collarbone um, but it is sure enough broke she's got the, the x-ray to prove it so you pray for her as she tries to heal there and uh, still others that we need to be praying for it's still good to see both deep here this morning I talked to him remember but he's feeling good been working some so we praise the Lord for that uh, but let's do remember those of traveling I think Allie and or excuse me Abby and Hannah are traveling and so let's remember them Abby Grace not feeling well all night last night and then others that are not here today for different reasons let's just lift them up to the Lord this morning in prayer okay so you remember those and you pray as the service goes on and uh, you pray for brother Dave and his family this morning as well to fish and sing. Now, if you do have uh, any tithes that you'd like to bring, uh, you go ahead and bring those up, put them here in the bucket, and uh, you can do that while they're singing. It's not going to bother them at all. And uh, I encourage you to give if the Lord has given to you this week. All right? So, uh, Brother David, I'm going to go ahead and give it over to you.
Man, well, I thought somebody was fixing to get repossessed. <laughs> Saw that tow truck slow way down. I thought he was coming after somebody's vehicle. But... Amen. Well, pray for Miss Tanya. She, uh, you weren't lying, were you? I didn't know that was him. You pray for Miss Tanya. She just dropped the microphone, and she got to go home with Brother David. And so you pray for them. They could stay in marital bliss, and he could still say after that, I love you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Exodus, chapter number three. It's good to see Brother Michael this morning. In and out of town, so I'm glad he's back this morning. Now, as I said, we're going to be in Exodus chapter number 3. We'll also be in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 15, 17, 18. So, y'all just hold your Bibles open this morning, and uh, we'll get through it, all right? I had a couple of folks make fun of me about my long introductions, and I got yet another one today. And so, uh, y'all just pray real quick, fast, in a hurry, we'll get through this, all right? But Exodus chapter number 3, verse number 13. Uh, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said, this is verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Let's, let's go ahead and read the next verse. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The God, or the, excuse me, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. And I love this. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. Now, this is not written down. It's just, 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 just be a little nudge. I'm glad that his name has never changed. We may call him by a whole lot of different things. And we've mentioned that over the course of the last several months about the names of God, and, and, and I appreciate every single one of them, but I'm glad that the I am is still the I am, amen? I'm glad today that who he said he was then in Exodus chapter 3 uh, is still who he is in the middle of the corona pandemic, amen? I'm glad that in the middle of the parking lot at Lighthouse Baptist Church, he's still God. He's still I am. I'm glad that if we were in the graveyard buried beneath four, five, six feet of dirt, I'm glad that he's still I am. Amen. I appreciate the Lord this morning and just being so good. I want to try to preach a message that I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to preach right now because you ain't going to understand it until I get there. But I'm glad this morning that God has never changed. He's told us that in his word. He says, I change not. Jesus says, I am the same yesterday, today. And forever, and I'm glad that that is true this morning. Our Father, as we come to you today, we thank you again for this day and for your blessings. We ask you now that you would hide us behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, we pray that you do a work in my heart as well as in the hearts of your people. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I, as I read these verses there in Exodus chapter number 3, you have to get to that point where you... You wonder what's going on. Now, most of us have heard this, this story, if you will, if I can say that. And I'm not going to recap it this morning, but there's a lot of things going on here in chapter number 2 and chapter number 3 of the book of Exodus. We're just being introduced to Moses, and Moses has already got a backstory. We already see, even in chapter 1, things that God was preparing him for. And we see here in chapter number Three, that he sees a burning bush, and in, in the entirety of that, God begins to speak to him, says, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want my people set free. He asked him here in verse number 13, when I do go, and I love that, that he didn't say, if I go, Brother Deke, 
He said, when I go, when I do speak to your people, and when I do tell them that God wants them to hear this message, and they say, who really sent you? God replied, I am that I am. Now, as we go into our introduction this morning, I, we all know this. If you watch TV, listen to the radio, pick up a newspaper, turn on your phone and, and look at Facebook, Twitter, and any of those things, you know that we are in a society, in a time, in, uh, especially in American history, where you cannot believe what people say. Even in our local uh, elections, there are men going back against one another. And even in as you go to the state and then to the federal elections, it seems as though these politicians are the worst examples of, how one, how you should treat people, but what truth really is. Every media outlet you hear about politicians making statements, and then a week later they deny that they even said those same statements, though they're written down, though they're recorded or videoed. Then you have the political opponents. One is a Republican, one is a Democrat, or something along those lines. And, and it seems like inevitably, and ever since I've been able to vote, this has been a pet peeve. Don't tell me what the other man has done. Tell me what you have done. Tell me what you can do for me. Instead of bashing him, how about you tell me your accomplishments? Tell me what you've done, and maybe that'll uh, sway me to vote for you. But these political opponents, they, they seem to come on the air or in print and say, did you hear what this particular man or woman has said? And then the next commercial, this, the one that they're opposing, comes on and they say the exact same thing about that particular person. Or they'll say, did you hear what this political opponent of mine said? And they began, Brother Michael, to try to explain what he said and why he said it, what he truly meant. Well, in spite of 2020, this is nothing new. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter number 2 and chapter number 3, we see that this tactic was very convincing way back then. There were two people living on this earth, Adam and Eve. Two people. But all of a sudden, one of them went into the garden and there was a serpent that began to speak. And as he began to speak, he began to say these same things that we hear today. Did you hear? He begins to explain what has been said. What has been hurt? He begins to make some statements. I'll give you these here in just a minute. In Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15 and seven through 17, God said, uh, the Lord took man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it, to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's what God said, right? Now, if that's what God says, that ought to be the end of the story. But Satan came along in chapter number 3, verse number 1. He says, now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, I don't know how your, your King James Bible reads, but God actually did say that. God actually did say, look, look what he said again. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. And so Satan begins to bring up the words of God. He said, didn't God say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? God did say that. But there was a but. There was, there was a verse 17. Verse 16 says, of every tree of the garden you can freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. You see, Satan began to, to subtly, if you will, convince or beguile Eve. And she pulled a partial phrase that God said and began to convince her that this is the only thing that God said. Don't worry about the other things. Just pay attention to this one thing. 
Then Eve comes on the scene. She begins in verse number two of Genesis chapter number three. She says, the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it. It would have been great if she had stopped right there, but she didn't. She began to add to God's word. This next phrase, God didn't say. It says, neither shall ye touch it lest you die. And so that's how it is today, even in our societies, not necessarily politically. It could be uh, even in churches or among friends or, or whatever you may want to call them. It seems as though everybody's listening or partially listening and you get a, a phrase here and you begin to form an opinion on a partial phrase. You begin to tell others and you begin to pass judgment and all of these different things. And I said, it is not new. It's not new. That, that is not new. But if I can preach on this thought this morning, I am, and I approve this message. Listen to the word of God here, it says in our text. Verse number 14. He was just asked, who should I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. He didn't give a whole lot of fluff. He didn't go back generations and generations to prove in some media tabloid what he did or what he did not do. He just made a few statements, and those few statements are what we're going to deal with this morning. In our text, God would have none of these previous things. He didn't want him to be taken out of context. He didn't want what he said to be taken in some partial terms. He didn't want his words to be twisted. He didn't want his words to be added to. He simply said, unto Moses, I am that I am. No, no need for misinterpretation. This phrase, I am, it is a common phrase. It's common even in our day, in the Hebrew and in the Greek. It was a common phrase. You look up those words, I am. Matter of fact, if you look up in the Strong's Concordance, or any concordance for that matter, you'll see that the phrase, I am, appears many, 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 many times. But there's only one time that this phrase in its entirety, I am that I am. There's only one time that that phrase shows up in Scripture, and it's right here. It is, we'll start with number one, this phrase, I am that I am. It speaks of his relationship. In case you didn't get the title, here it is again. Just I see some people writing things down. I am, and I approve this message. And so God today is saying, listen, don't worry about everything else that you've heard. Don't worry about the doubts and the concerns that you hear on the news, you hear in print, you see on your phone. Don't worry about all those things. I am. Whether it's President Trump or former Vice President Biden or Ms. Harris, I don't know what she is, Senator, I don't know what she is. No matter who it is, when they get on there, Brother Jim, they'll spread their lies, they'll spread their propaganda. I am Donald Trump, and I approve this message. I am Eric Bryant, and I approve this message. They, they end all of the communication with, no matter what was said, here I am, and I approve this message. Whether it was truth, whether it was lies, whether it was an attack, no matter what it was, here's my name, and I approve this message. There's something different about when God says it. Number one, this speaks of his relationship. Look with me in verse number four, uh, 15. He's already said, I am that I am. He says, make sure you tell them that I am hath sent you. That's in verse 14. Verse 16, uh, 15. And God said, moreover, in abundance of what he's already said, moreover, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This speaks of relation. It's, it speaks of who he is. This, this phrase, I am, it is the, the, the same as you begin to study. It is that Jehovah. Jehovah 
is the self-existing one. He is the one that is eternal and unchanging. We've already established that in our little pre-introduction rant. He's never changing. He's always the same. He has being of himself and has no dependence on any other. Matthew Henry said, let me read that again. He is or has being of himself and has no dependence on any other. How many other individuals can say that? No one. Even the Apostle Paul says, I am, or he says, but for the grace of God, I am what I am. But God said, I am that I am. He has no need to depend on someone else to make his own substance. He has, he is, and he always will be God. This is the I am. It speaks of his relationship. He could have stopped when he said I am. He, at, at that point, he could have said, this is enough. This is all you need to know. I am that I am. But he went on to be sure that they were not confused, to be sure that he directed them to a familiar name. He says, you make sure to tell them that the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent you. I began to look at this, and I didn't go too far deep into it, but, but he says, I'm the God of Abraham, the, the father of the nations. If you look in Genesis chapter 15, verse number 18, God made a covenant with Abraham that he would he would multiply his seed. God made a covenant with Abraham and these people that were in bondage in Egypt knew about that covenant. And he says, I want you to know that the God of your father Abraham is the one that's speaking to you now. The one that has promised you, the one that has covenanted with you, the one that has been there every step of the way, I want you to know that that is who is sending this message. Then, he says, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Here we see in these two, two different passages that, that the covenant was renewed with both of these men. As it were, with Abraham, his wife, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but with his wife, she was barren. So God, Brother Jim, has given him a, a covenant that by his seed that he would multiply. But his wife was barren. How could he have a seed if his wife was barren? In walks Isaac. Isaac got married. Guess what? His wife was barren. Does the, does the covenant stop because his wife was barren? Next thing we know, we find there's twin little boys running around. One of them name was Jacob. Jacob was blessed by his father. He didn't go about it the right way. Y'all go ahead and say amen right there. But he still got blessed by his father. He got married. Miss Kim, guess what? His wife was barren. It seems like this covenant that God made with Abraham was doomed from day one. How in the world are they going to uh, make good on this covenant? How is God going to make good on this covenant? My wife cannot have children. God gave him a child. Child got married. Wife couldn't have children. God gave him a child. That child got married, could not have children. God gave him a child. He told Abraham, he told Isaac, he told Jacob, listen, I made a covenant with you and I will come through on my promise. I want you to know when God said, I am that I am, he says, I am to Abraham. I am to Jacob and to Isaac. He said, what I have said will always be. If we look over in verse number 15 again, we see number two. Not only did it speak of the relationship, but it speaks of his ability. Kind of told you about this. Each one of those men married a wife that was barren, could not have children. But somehow for each one of those men, God opened the womb, wounds of their wives. As we look at Abraham, we see this. The I am is the one, first of all, that opened the womb of Sarah. 
The I am is the one that delivered Isaac from the, from, from the knife on Mount Moriah. You remember that, don't you? Here is God. He has promised Abraham not only that his seed would be multiplied, but he promised him a son. His son came. His son, we don't know how old he was. Let's just assume he was around 12 years old. Maybe he was older than that. I don't know. But God says, now you've got a son. I want you to take him on the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him. Well, that's a kick in the teeth. But you know what he did? He believed God. He took his son. He took the wood. He took the fire. Went up on the mountain. Built the altar. Prepared the altar. Laid his son down on the altar, drew the knife, held the knife above the child's head. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord stopped his hand and said, don't do him any harm. And the whole while had already prepared a ram for the sacrifice. When he says, I am that I am. When he said, you go and you tell them the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He said, I want you I want you to know that there is some ability there. He's not depending on the abilities of, of Satan to defer the people there. He's not trying to, to draw on some other experience that is outside the realm of their, their understanding or their belief. But he's saying they remember this. They remember through school and through their teaching and through their family. They remember the story of Abraham about to kill his son. But God. They remember that. So this speaks of his ability. Also for Isaac we see that I am, the I am again. He opened the womb of Rebekah. Not only that, but he, he's the one that handpicked, handpicked a bride for Jacob. As we go a little bit further, we see that he, the I am, opened the womb. Who was it? Rachel. Rachel. Three women. All promised by God. And every one of them showed no physical way to help God in any way possible. But in every one of them, the I am blessed. The I am touched them. The I am reached into their womb and opened it so that his covenant with Abraham, so that his covenant with Isaac, so that his covenant with Jacob would continue. We see also that the I am is the one who sent a messenger to wrestle with Jacob in the wilderness. You remember that little statement that I made that, that Jacob went about that blessing in the wrong way? We outsmarted Esau. Esau was so mad, he, he promised he was going to kill him, Kurt. We have no idea how long the time had passed. But we find that Jacob was told to go meet his brother. Your brother's coming, and he's got 400 men with him. It's time to make this thing right. Scared Jacob to death. He left his family in one part. I've preached on this before. You know the story. He left the family in one part, and he went a little piece off. Just him and him alone. And all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, a man came. Tackled him from behind, I believe. When he tackled him, Brother Stanley, he began to wrestle with him all night long. And he finally asked him, what is, what is your name? Jacob responded, my name's Jacob. He said, no longer will it be called Jacob, but it'll be called Israel. Jacob wrestled with this man all night long. And the only thing, Michael, that he had to prove was his hip. Was out of socket, out of joint the rest of his life. He walked upon a staff. And I've said this, said it for years. Every time somebody said, Jacob, how in the world did you start to limp? And he said, God blessed me. God blessed me. 
this I am that we see here in Exodus chapter number 3 is the same I am that not only changed his name to Israel, but delivered him out of the hand of his brother. And then last we see this. It speaks of his sovereignty. I'd like to use, instead of the word sovereignty, I'd like to use the word lordship. You put both down. The idea of lordship is that someone is the true master. That they are lord over all. Everyone looks to them. Everyone seeks instruction for them. And when instruction comes, they do it or else. This I am, it speaks of his sovereignty. Now, before the first meeting with Pharaoh, we find here that there are some issues. We may be preaching on this pretty soon, but he, Moses began, just like all of us, he began to say, you know, what about this? Here's, here's a little question I've got. How are we going to do this? And I don't know about this. I'm not really skilled in this. But in every single one of those, God had an answer. And God finally said, listen, this is what's going to happen. He began to show him the signs. You remember the, the rod that, that was placed there uh, by, the by the end of this story, the staff that Moses had had turned not only into a staff, but now it was into the rod of God. So God was doing a work. God was, was, was helping. God was leading. But we come to chapter number four. There's a lot between here and there. We come to chapter number four, and in my opinion, one of the strangest passages of scripture it almost doesn't make sense and so guess what i did i went to four different men to try to find out what in the world this is look at verse 24 all right well let's, let's read just to get some context let's read verse number 22 and 23 god's still talking to moses he says i want you to say to pharaoh thus saith the lord Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto you, let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. All right, so there's a message, Allie, that's being told to Pharaoh. Not yet, but God is telling Moses, I want you to take this message to Pharaoh. You put it in his mailbox. Make sure he hears this. That's the end of verse number 23. Now we see that a passage of time has, has gone. It says, and it came to pass, by the way, in the end, and you have to know over here in the uh, verse number 19 that Moses now is going back to Egypt. He's got his family there in verse number 20. He says he took his wife and his sons, he set them on an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. Moses, here he goes, he took not the staff, but he took the rod of God in his hand. And so in verse 24, it came to pass, by the way, in the end, that the Lord met him, that the Lord met Moses. And this is what threw me all out of whack and sought to kill him. And I thought, well, oh, Moses, all he was doing was getting his family together and going back to Egypt. Why in the world is he trying to kill him? You keep reading. Then Zipporah, which is his wife, Moses' wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. Okay. We've been in church long enough. We know what's going on here. Zipporah, the mother, took the son. Uh, what was his name over here in, uh, I don't even know if it says there in verse number 20. Took his son and, and circumcised him. Okay, I'm following. I understand what's going on here. Let's go to verse 26. So he let him go. Then she said, A bloody husband art thou because of the circumcision. So at this point, Brother Jim, I'm lost. I don't know who he is in verse 26. I don't know who him is. I don't understand why Zipporah is yelling at old brother Moses. I'm confused. Why does Zipporah have to be the one to circumcise a little boy? I don't understand it. And so I, I had to go. I went over to a couple men, and, and they said this. They said that apparently that there was a lack of judgment 
on Moses' part. It could be because of his own laziness. It could be because of Zipporah's, which is his wife, and she was a Gentile. It could be because of her belief. Brother Stanley, he did not do what God told him to do and circumcise his son on the seventh or eighth day as he was supposed to. That was the outward sign that they were God's chosen people, that they would be circumcised, and God was going to kill Moses because he didn't do it. That seems pretty harsh, don't it, Brother But you need to understand, chapter number 1 sets up the plight of, of Israel. They're in bondage. Chapter number 2 starts off with, with Moses and him coming into himself. We get to chapter number 3. He's in the wilderness. He sees the burning bush. God begins to speak to him. He gives him a direct demand on what he is supposed to do. And God realizes that there is still disobedience in his life. And he says, you cannot go further into my demands until you're clean of this sin. So he sought to kill him, Nathan. And his wife saw him in the clutches of an angel or the clutches of God. He says he sought to kill him. And the Bible says that so he let him go. The he there is either the, the angel or God himself that had a hold of Moses. And finally... Zipporah circumcised the little boy, threw the foreskin at his feet, and said, Thou art a bloody husband to me. This could have been taken care of elsewhere. This could have been done in another way. This could have been done when he was younger, when there was less pain involved. This could have been done in so many different ways. But now, not only are you in the clutches of someone that can kill you, now I have to be the one to do harm. Kurt? There's something important about the burning bush that we've not mentioned yet. Does anybody remember what God told Moses to do when he got to the burning bush? Anybody remember? Take his shoes off. Take his shoes off. Why? Because he was standing on holy ground, right? He was standing on holy ground, and God says, I want you to take your shoes off. Well, we never hear any other mention about the shoes. But we have to understand that, that Moses, after he left the burning bush, he put his shoes back on. He began to do a work for God or began to go that direction. God's still teaching. He's still learning him what he needs to do. And he's still giving him direction. He's still putting him and Aaron together and making sure they have all the right details and the right conversation to have with Pharaoh. He's still doing all these details and everything. And right in the middle of this, Moses has already been on holy ground. He took his shoes off. Oh, he's already put his shoes back on. He's trying to go to work for God. But all of a sudden he finds, if you will, a sin in his life. Now, we're talking about the I am. The I am has always been, right? The I am is, right? The I am always will be, right? And so if he is the I am, he knows what's wrong in our lives. It is no surprise to him. And I believe there was some grace and some mercy given to Moses up until this night at the end. God put him on holy ground. God began to do a work. God, I mean, God put him not just in a parking lot, not just behind the pulpit, but God put him on sure enough holy ground. Let him go, began to teach him. But he still didn't take it upon himself to do the very thing that this covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob hinged on. And that was the circumcision of his son. So before he could ever go before Pharaoh, before he can ever truly do the work of God, he had, he had to circumcise that son before he could ever do another thing. The application is this. There's a lot of folks today that they have, at one point, they have stood on holy ground. And they know that they've stood on holy ground. There's been a, a touch in their lives. The Holy Ghost has filled them. They're preaching or they're singing or they're witnessing. They're living their life with the touch of God on them. 
But if we never put our shoes back on, if we never put our shoes back on to try to go to service, no matter how holy our experience may have been, it's still not going to be effective. We can stay in church all the time. We can shout it out all the time. But our commandment was not to stay in church. Our commandment was not to continue singing behind the pulpit or behind the piano or what. Our commandment was to go out into all the world. Our piano, our, our, our piano, our commandment was to go and tell someone about the I am. Tell someone about what he has done and what he can do for them. I believe it is. H.L. Wilmington said this. Some Christians hear God speak to them concerning special service for him. They take their spiritual shoes off at some altar, but then do nothing about the call. God needs individuals who will both take off and put back on their shoes today. And I love this. A worship experience should be followed by a working experience. A worship experience should be followed by a working experience. When the I am speaks, not only should we listen, but we should do. You see, we, we read our text here, both in chapter 4 and verse number 24, 25, 26. When finally that deed was done and the young boy was circumcised, we finally see that, that what God wanted at the very start was finally done. But we have to look back to I am that I am. I am the God of your fathers. I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. That's who I am. There's a need for you to work, for Moses to work, for Aaron to work, for the people to work. And too often, too often in our lives, we get so caught up on being on holy ground that we forget to work for God. He says, I am that I am. There's a lot of things that may could be said about God, and again, we've, we've said a lot of things about God, his different names, even Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Sidkenu, there, there's many others, Jehovah Shalom, but he narrows it all down, and he says, I am that I am, no matter what you've heard, no matter the own, your own opinions that you've formed. Know that I am that I am. Know that God is, and He has been, and He always will be. Even in our time, it shows His relationship with us. It shows His ability with us. But it also shows His Lordship. Everything seems to be sweet there in chapter number 3. God showing Him on holy ground. Everything seems to be good with the first part of chapter number four. But by the time you get to verse 24, we see that there's, there's a struggle. And I've mentioned this even recently. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. We've got some folks that have heard a call from God to do something, young and old alike, and they've sat there, and they've sat there, and they've sat there. I've heard, I've heard Brother Dent. Every time we'd come down here, every time we'd come down here, he would never fail to ask me, son, when are you going to move down here and start a church? He said, this is a barren land. When are you going to start down here? When are you going to move and start a church? We need more churches. I said, no, 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 that ain't for me. <laughs> and then God said, okay. We'll see what you think about this. And God just moved everything around. If 
if you answer a call, if you have a burning bush experience and you answer a call from God, you need to begin to work in that call. Do what God has told you to do. That shows his lordship. He gives instructions. Now, let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray today that you might touch, that you might bless us. God, I realize today that kind of a different type message. Lord, but we ask you that you might just touch us. Allow us, God, that, that even though we are not considered the, the children of Israel, that we are still your children. And that we can still have those holy ground experiences. That we can still have those experiences where you reveal to us what you've done and your abilities. And we must realize today that you are Lord over all. And that your word is sovereign. When we are commanded to do something, we must follow you. God, I pray today that you would encourage and bless your people. Lord, help those that are, no, that are not here today. We ask you that you would touch and encourage them. Lift them up. We've got some that are not feeling well today. Some that have had a rough week health-wise. God, some that are here for reasons unknown. But Lord, we ask you today that you would bless them. Lord, help those that are here. I ask you today that you would touch and strengthen them. Speak from your word to them. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, uh, let's be dismissed. This is probably the last time we'll do this for a while. Uh, again, social distancing. Once we get in there, if we're not going to have congregations singing for a while, then we won't be able to praise the Lord because you'll spit on the back of my neck or something. And I don't want that. Alright? So I need you to I need you to be really loud. Okay? Kaylee, only lift your right arm. Alright? There you go. Let's praise the Lord. We'll be at liberty to go. On the count of three. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. Amen. Drop.